Welcome to episode 74 of Paper Talk, a series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the fields of hand paper making and paper art. I'm Helen Hebert, and I run Helen Hebert Studio, a hand paper making studio in Colorado's Rocky Mountains, where I create artist books and installations. I also host the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat and Paper Making Master Classes here in the studio. And I teach online classes about paper, light, and books, too. Find out more at HelenHebertStudio.com. Today, I'm talking with Matthew Reinhardt, a world-renowned children's book author, illustrator, and paper engineer known best for designing the impossible in his acclaimed pop-up books. Reinhardt has created or collaborated on nearly 50 different pop-up book titles over his 20-year career, including his latest, Star Wars, The Ultimate Pop-Up Galaxy, Harry Potter, A Pop-Up Guide to Diagon Alley and Beyond, What's Up Fire Truck, and Colors, My First Pop-Up. He is currently based in San Francisco and is an avid collector of Transformers toys and Star Wars action figures. Enjoy our conversation. Well, Matthew Reinhardt, welcome to Paper Talk. Oh, thank Lovely you for having to meet me, you. Helen. Great to yeah. meet you, digitally. Yeah, digitally, right. Um, so, yeah, let's start at the beginning. I know you did a lot of making as a child. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, um, you know, I, a lot of it was you were working from what you had, you know, whether it was like cardboard in the house and uh, garbage, whatever you could, I could find, you know, when I was young. Um, and, and I think, well, a lot of it was uh, I, I might have a toy or I might have something that I, that I, that I liked that I love like those punch out books, right? You know, I don't know if you remember them, they were press out books and you could build yeah. different scenes and things like that. So I love those, but they were ephemeral, you know, like you had them for a short period and then you'd lose the pieces. And, but then, you know, you wanted another one. And there were, what well, was a point where I couldn't find what I wanted. I couldn't, so it was, it, I, I was making them a lot. I was making them, whether I was making little scenes or making animals, I, you know, I love animals. I love, you know, I love wildlife. I love uh, paleontology. I love all the like, dinosaurs. And it was always like, I want to make this thing. And it, because it didn't exist, I wanted to make my own. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of, you know, I had paper. That's all I had. Right, you know, it's what right. every kid has at their disposal. Mm -hmm. So, and it's easy to work and it's easy, you know, so that's kind of where it started. Um, then, you know, as I became like a toy collector later on with Star Wars and everything like that, um, it, it, I wanted to make all those scenes. I wanted to make those things for my action figures, whether, you know, I'm making a whole backdrop or making a ship or like, I wanted to make those things that didn't exist in, you know, in toy. Right. And, um, you know, I guess there was a lot of it was play. There was a lot, um, having to do with making paper playful, mm -hmm. making it something I, 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 I guess to this day, I, I still really appreciate the, 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 the power of play and enjoying yes. something that's dimensional and real, you know? So um, that's kind of where it all started. Right. So you were working with paper, cardboard, just whatever you mm -hmm. can get your hands Styrofoam, on. Styrofoam, yeah. um, like any piece, mm -hmm. anything that I could manipulate in some way. When you're, bef when you're, when you're 10 years old, 
there's only so much you can do. You know, you, you know, you look at certain materials and you say, I can't cut that plastic. I don't know how I'm going to cut that. Um, but I can use a pair of scissors and I can cut this paper or this cardboard or get the big scissors and cut the cardboard and, you know, build whatever, whether it's a mask for something or whether I'm building like a backdrop and that, uh, you know, and that was really before everyone started using glue guns a lot more. So um, at least we didn't, we, I think we had one as I got older, mm -hmm. but um, you know, you were figuring out, oh, I gotta figure out how to take this together or, or you know, build this without some of those materials. Um, and, you know, my parents weren't crafters, really. They, they, so, it, it, you know, I was working with the toolkit you have from when you're a, a kid and you're going to school and you have that, you know, um, and then, you know, eventually getting more and more materials. But it was always cardboard. It was always paper. Mm -hmm. Cool. And so um, you moved around as you grew up, but you ended up going to college at Clemson. Why mm -hmm. did you go there? Because I was uh, not very directed when I was young. I had no, like, I did well in high school, uh, grade-wise, but I just didn't know what I wanted to be. And I was kind of mm -hmm. lazy. I'll admit it. I was lazy. And going to Clemson was easy because I lived at the time in South Carolina. And I'm not, now I'm not saying anything bad about Clemson. It's a great school. Um, it's not easy to get into. Uh, but I wasn't really thinking about careers at the time because I didn't, feel confident about my own art. Uh, my parents were never real uh, supportive of, of that. They were supportive to an extent, but it was never like, that's a career you can do. Um, it was, you know, that's something you do in your free time, mm -hmm. but you know, your father's a doctor, maybe you should be a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. So I studied biology at Clemson um, and I had a, you know, what was good about Clemson, you look, it wasn't the first place that, as I look back, I, I, would, I don't know that I would go there. Uh, simply because, again, uh, because it was very isolated. Um, and I wasn't studying, of course, what I wanted to study. And I wasn't going to be around a lot of the, you okay there? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to say something, which hmm. is, um, I feel a real kinship because I went to the University of the South, Sewanee, which I think mm -hmm. is in the, actually ended up swimming there because it was a division three school. And I think oh, yeah. Cle Clemson was one of our Probably in the same whatever district. I mean, I'm not a big athlete. I remember but, this. Yeah. But um, I also was not directed, wasn't even really thinking about college. My parents said, you're going to college. And um, so I can really relate. There's a lot yeah. of good things but about a small liberal arts school. And I think the older I get, I reflect back on that. Um, but yeah, I think I would have rather gone to Rhode Island School of Design or something like that. I mean, I wish I had a friend who she was the other artist in high school. So there were like two of us. Oh, and I was always jealous of her because she was the one that I think more people knew about. They didn't know about me as much. I was like a weirdo. And um, she got into Rhode Island School of Design. I was so jealous, you know. Um, but, you know, I wasn't a go-getter. I was not, at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I didn't have a lot, like, I didn't have a, our art program at our, our high school wasn't the best. And so I didn't have the same, um, you know, I didn't have people saying, you can do this. There are these options right. of, you know, being yeah. creative. So, yeah. um, and I'm not going to, look, it, it's not just their fault. It's my fault. I didn't have oh, yeah. that in my head at the time. And, you know, yeah. I think it's fine. You know, look, when you're young, you don't know. And right. if it's not in your face all the time, how are you supposed to know? And right. it, was, it was that time 
when we were, you know, there wasn't, I couldn't go on YouTube and look at, you know, all these different artists doing something or, you know, they, it just wasn't there. There was, I think that my options that I thought was I could either be a fine artist or, um, or a cartoonist. Cause I loved like, you know, I love comics mm -hmm. and that was it. And so for me, at least at, at the time, so, um, I just didn't pursue it. Now going to Clemson was good in a lot of ways because I mean, I love the sciences and, and, and it was interesting to learn that mm -hmm. I hate chemistry. I hated doing that. I hated doing, <laughs> um, calculus. I don't remember any of it. Um, I think I just barely got through it. Um, it was good to be at Clemson in, in other ways because, you know, I found my group of friends. It's a huge school. So you find your groups. Right. And um, there were no distractions at all, really. I mean, right. yes, I could have, uh, you know, been into, you know, the sports scene and everything, but I was not. So it was very focused on, you know, you do your schoolwork and, and you know, your art was on the side. That was definitely something I was always doing. Um, but I wasn't like the social scene. I wasn't as into, I was really focused on, you know, bettering myself in school and I did really well. And, and so, so I, were, I were you, were you going towards medicine then? I was and actually then tell me about your art, what you were doing in college. Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> and so I was going towards, uh, towards medical school actually. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I studied biology and I had the art stuff on the side. So I would take like, painting class or a drawing class or, um, you know, uh, I think I had a sculpting class, you know, so, so I was taking those on the side when I could. And I was always sketching in my notebooks. I had tons of notebooks where you just draw you know, mm -hmm. whatever, creatures and animals and whatever, um, characters and comics and all kinds of stuff, teaching myself things. You know, you, 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 you learn a lot from looking at other people's work and you know, you, you, why doesn't that, why doesn't this pose work? Well, it doesn't work because perspective, like I felt like there were a lot of things I was trying, I was teaching myself mm -hmm. or at least through looking at other people's work that, you know, you're, I'm teaching myself this perspective stuff. I'm teaching this, you know, you, you learn that over the years um, without the teacher. Then, you, you know, you go and you go into a, a drawing class and you really start to learn things, you know, learn like a figure drawing, which I love. I, to this day, I wish I could take a figure drawing class every, every semester or every, just because it loosens you up so much. It's so yeah. freeing. Um, uh, I wish I could take a class like every semester if I could. Um, but I never, now, like right now, I just don't have the time, but um, right. it's so enjoyable um, creatively uh, because I like being in that place where I don't know what I'm doing. And I am, uh, a little fearful that I'm doing it wrong. I like, I, I know that sounds weird, but I feel like it, it, being in that place of uncertainty takes you to a place, a, a new, it takes you to a new place where you learn something and different that you don't know. And you're, you're kind of, um, you're unafraid to, to make mistakes. I love um, you saying that because I'm actually right now I'm teaching a class that's part paper weaving and part mm -hmm. daily practice. So it's mm -hmm. 30 days in a row. So, and I can tell my students, participants are, mm -hmm. and myself, I'm doing it along with them. Yeah. You have all of these fears, you make discoveries just by doing it mm -hmm. every day. And there's no real 
point. I'm not making these to sell or, you know, it's mm -hmm. just to explore the process. I yeah. envy you. I totally. envy you. That would be a wonderful. I mean, there are a lot of things that I do when I'm doing pop-ups where <clears throat> I'm exploring like every day, like some books may look sort of like other books, but there are poor things in each one. I think, even if it's a small thing that I try to explore a little, and that's a really fun place to be. And that's why I think yeah. what I do in paper engineering, and we'll get onto this later on, but yeah, there's, always a place where you don't know there's always that unknown territory and you that you can explore so I try mm -hmm. to always expand my my repertoire with each project but so anyways right. getting back to school. but 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 you do that to make it fun for yourself right it's a challenge yeah and I do it also yeah. to to uh well yeah to be interesting for me but also be interesting for the reader and yes. anyone to enjoy to go like oh he's not doing the same thing he's trying right. this right. you know Right. Um, or it looks cool. Like it's something that, you know, we weren't able to do. So, um, you know, that's, yeah. that's important to me. So right. getting so, back to school. Oh, do we, I'm sorry. I inter interrupted. Yeah, no, that's fine. Sorry. Um, okay. So yeah. So tell me after Clemson, what happened? So after Clemson, I, you know, got into medical school actually. And oh, okay. it, I wasn't real keen on, um, on going, to be honest, I did not want to go. And um, my, my dad, uh, was an oral surgeon in Charleston, South Carolina. And he knew a lot of the people at uh, the uh, medical university in South Carolina, which is in Charleston as well. And so that helped grease me getting into it. Cause yeah. I swear when I did the interviews, I was terrible. I mean, I may have been smart, but I didn't know what was going on. And I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't really passionate about it. So mm -hmm. I, I told my parents, listen, I'll do this, but it was very much a, like a hostage situation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, look, I'll do it, but, uh, you got to give me a year. I got to need, I need a year away from things. So I moved to New York city. And at the time I was seeing somebody, he lived there and, um, I lived in New York and, uh, it was amazing. I mean, it was just like 1994, 1995. And, um, you know, you're young and you, and at the time I, I got this job that was super weird. I worked for the eye bank for sight restoration and I took out dead people's eyeballs. I went to morgues all over New York. And, you know, because I had some biology background, I was able to, you know, work for this organization. I trained and, you know, do this procured donor tissue is what they call it. But that's, you know, gross, the gross way of putting it, um, taking out dead people's eyeballs. And um, I realized I just did not want to go into medicine. I just like, it, this was fine doing what I was doing, but it just wasn't for me. I decided to, you know, break it to my parents. This is what I want to do. I want to do something. I want to be an industrial designer. I actually really wanted to be a toy designer. And um, so, but I mastered it in, well, I can, you know, be an industrial designer and do all kinds of other products, even though it was just toys. You know, I just <laughs> wanted to do that. And um, so uh, they, they were just happy that there was something that existed that, you know, there, there was documented proof that, you know, you could make a living doing something like this. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wanted me to be happy, I guess, you know, it was, it, they, and they didn't want to have to pay for me. <laughs> they didn't right. want to have to, you know, they wanted me to be independent. Yeah. So, um, so I, st I went to uh, Pratt Institute for a couple of years um, and uh, studied toy design. During that time, I um, connected with Robert Sabuda. And what, you know, was, was he helpful. teaching there at that point? He was teaching okay. there. He was, yeah. And we had met a year before doing some work at a, um, uh, the community center in, in the West village. And um, so we had worked on that together at the time. And 
reconnected and um, I, I helped him, you know, like in the summer uh, for a couple years, just, you know, with that, whatever projects uh -huh. and, um, you know, finished my grad degree and even started doing some work. I was working at like Nickelodeon and um, doing some like freelance stuff. Um, but he needed help. And so I helped him on this one book called uh, Mother Goose, Papa Mother Goose, because mm -hmm. he was like really behind on it. So I helped him on that. And, you know, I, I started to get some basics of making pop-ups and, you know, really what learning it, you know, you learn it from just building stuff over and over again and yeah. uh, taking things apart that you like figuring out. So that's what a lot of it was, you know, and I was learning how to make die lines early on. And they, these were the die lines that you, you know, had to make by hand by tracing them and uh -huh. using, you know, like a square and make everything, you know, like everything had to be just right. Yeah. We had these curved tools that you had to use to make it, you know, we would draw it yeah. on, um, uh, we would draw the die lines on vellum. And if you made a mistake, you had to like, scratch it off with your, with your, you know, exacto blade. So it was like very intense. Yeah. But um, for some reason it clicked with me. Mm -hmm. And um, so after I helped him with that project, you know, he had more coming and we had to learn. There was a point where we had to learn how to do things digitally. And that took us a while, like just to, okay, we were learning vector art. How do you make vector art? How right. do you make these dots? Because then we would go, making dye lines in, in the computer was so much easier um, yeah. than tracing them. And what we would do initially was we would trace it, our, our pop-ups that we would, the initial prototypes that we'd build by hand. We would trace them with um, tracing paper um, very, very carefully with like rulers and everything and then scan them and then trace them again in, you know, uh, in the, either in the computer or by hand with the, the vellum. And uh, it took a while before we just went to straight to just cut up the pop-up pieces and put them in the scanner and trace them directly that way. But there was, yeah. Yeah, I just wanna say, this is reminding me, of, I lived in New York. I moved to New York after college too. I'm a few years older than you. So 87 is when I moved there. And um, I met my husband a few years later and he was working at the New Yorker magazine doing mm -hmm. fact checking and he would have these huge pages going through every word you know yep. fiction has to be fact checked everything has to be fact checked and yep. i just remember those galleys and then they switched to the computer and yeah, yeah and it so just you makes it, oh, oh yeah you know, all that stuff i mean there was just lots of stuff you know yeah i mean yeah. And, and and you know in my in our studios you know there is a lot of stuff you know you got to yeah. build stuff you know whatever but um, so, so I started helping Robert and, you know, as I was learning, I, I probably helped him for about a year and a half and then mm -hmm. started thinking like, oh, maybe I should do something on my, my own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, projects would come in. And, um, the first project that came in that, that he was like, I can't do it was the pop-up book of phobias with okay. Melcher Media. That was like the first one. And, you know, I thought it was this ridiculous project. I thought it was stupid. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I always tell everyone, it's like, you know, we didn't think it was going to actually even be printed. You know, like we didn't, uh -huh. yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. And at the time, Robert helped me a lot with that book because, um, because my dad was sick at that time and I had to leave and so, uh, and go and help him and my family in Charleston and then, you know, kind of come back. Uh -huh. So it was a kind of a weird time. So, uh, you know, I mean, I worked on the book, but I, I don't have as much ownership to it 
simply because I don't know, I guess I was really disconnected at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like the book, to be, mm-hmm. to be honest. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it ended up being produced uh, and released, which was great. And then it got some attention, which was, was, was cool. And, you know, it kind of led me to, to doing other things. So I, I was very thankful in the end for it. But I was just shocked at the time that it was even going to be produced because it just seemed like it was racked with difficulties just with production and all this stuff. And this is at a time when every, most of the pop-up books that we were creating or that Robert was creating were all manufactured in, the, in South America, in Ecuador uh-huh. and in Colombia with a company called Car, um, Carvajal or Car uh-huh. Graphics. And so, you know, I had gone to oversee the production of a couple of books of his, but, um, you know, it was all going there. And, and that was one of the last books that they created there was the Papa Book of Phobias. And we had two, a, a, f- a couple other books that were produced there. Um, but that was just really the beginning of things. And then, you know, I, start, I, I started thinking like, I want to sell my own book. I want to do my own book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had done alphabet books and I love alphabet. I always loved alphabet books growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my initial idea for an alphabet book was, uh, but uh, was uh, an animal alphabet, a pop-up mm-hmm. animal, you know, like duh, you know, it's the dumbest thing. You know, how many of those have there been, you know? Um, and I wanted to do an animal book. And of course my agent, um, said there's so many alphabet books, forget it. Don't, don't even, you need to figure this, refigure this book out. Okay. Wait, I want to ask you about the agent. Yes. So how did you get an agent? I got an agent because Robert, Mm -hmm. you know, so worked with the same agent. That's, I was very lucky, you know, because it's, I, I tell people now you should have an agent, but it's hard. You can't get an agent until you're published. You know, it's like, right. It's a, well, yeah, which one is it? Which one right. is it? And okay. so I was really lucky that mm-hmm. I had that connection to get mm-hmm. me there. And you use whatever connections you can, right? Sure, sure. Um, I, I would, you know, when I talk to young people who are looking at going into this, I always say, if you want to get an agent, you need to find a young agent, a hungry young agent. If you're mm-hmm. really talented, you've got work that looks like it can be sold by all means, find somebody else that's kind of like you, who's looking to get in the business and they just want to, you know, get out there and, you know, sell stuff. And, and, you know, so get somebody else that's young or join, like now there are like agencies that artist agencies that kind of, you know, rep artist reps that, and that's a good way to get in with something as well. Um, Because I think that, I mean, yes, it's great that we have like, you know, YouTube and, and, and Instagram and TikTok and everything to be able to show off all of our work. But that doesn't necessarily parlay itself into, you know, mm-hmm. a book being created. And there, there still is the publishing industry to a certain extent. You know, you can self-publish, but, you know, you want that behind you. Right. I think the, the publishing behind you. And so you, you need to have somebody out there that is able to sell you. And you are not always the person to do it. Um, right. You should be focused on the art. That's right. Should, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's bad enough now artists have to be their own, uh, their own publicity as well. You know, we have to do videos, we got to do all this stuff to yeah. kind of keep in the mindset. Um, but you should have somebody that is representing you. It's like team you, you know, team you, that's what they are there for. Um, yeah. So yes, that was how I got an agent. Okay. And the first um, book that it was an animal alphabet book. It got, nobody wanted it. And then I rejiggered it into something else. We thought about it. And I think that that's really important, especially for young artists. Um, 
I always tell them, be open to criticism. Mm -hmm. Be open to listening to somebody who has experience in the field. Be open to that, to, you know, like listen to that criticism and possibly changing your idea, mm -hmm. uh, modifying things. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the advice that my agent said, you know, think about it in a different way. What's another way that you can look at this book? Um, I changed the book to a, uh, an opposite book. So, you know, there was a window, you know, there was a door, you would open it. There was an animal on the outside and it was called animal poppets. That's what it turned into. Oh, uh -huh. And there was an animal on the outside and it, oh, do I have a, I didn't, I didn't bring it over here, but it was one of my first uh, uh, solo books. And um, it had an animal on the outside, like it may have a little mouse and it was looking like very tough and it was, it said brave. And then you open it and the elephant was on the inside of it, a big pop-up of an elephant. And the elephant would be scared, you know, cause he was scared, oh, of yeah. you know, like stuff right. like, so, so there were different kinds of animals and sometimes they were a little twisted and showing the differences between opposites, you know, big, small, tall, short, you know, all that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, and that all those pop-ups that I designed were in the alphabet book, but um, we modified them, changed the art a little, you know, and it became mm -hmm. something else. And that was something that a publisher was interested in. So I think it's really important. Sometimes you have to step away from yourself or have somebody else who, you know, isn't as, as close to the work to really help you sort of look at it in a different way. And, um, you know, then something might become a lot more viable. Yeah. I write how to books mm -hmm. and um, I, I do not have an agent. I don't have an agent, but um, an editor who was young, exactly what you were saying. She was my same genre age you mm -hmm. know 25 years ago and yes. she needed to come up with book ideas and stumbled across a class I was teaching thought it might make an interesting book and so that's how I got in so yeah cool it's, cool. it's that same thing you know you have yeah. to, you you it's not it's not obvious nothing is obvious right. you know you, that's you, right. and, and and I've stumbled it like this my whole career I feel like I stumbled yeah me too. Um, it was not something I had planned. Mm -hmm. um, if I, I think if I had, if I, it, if I, I thought I would, I would probably be in my mindset, I was going to be like head designer at Hasbro by now doing transformers uh -huh, um, uh -huh. or something like that, right. which I would, that would be amazing. That would be a dream job. <laughs> um, but uh, this is like, but, but the adventures that I've had, the adventure that I've had, um, has been much more exciting, I think. And mm -hmm. it is, and it, and it really isn't planned. So as I was you know, moving forward in some of the work, you know, I did this opposite book and then we, Robert and I had wanted to sort of collaborate on a book and um, <clears throat> more, you know, like maybe me illustrate. And a lot of the collaborations that we did were mainly like, I would do the bulk of everything. He would kind of help like oversee things because he was busy with his own projects. Mm -hmm. And so we, collaborated on this first sort of concept that, and we sold it. It was amazing. We sold it to Hyperion, which was Disney books. And they were two books and they were really weird. Um, they, they had a really weird concept. I have one of them here long out of print, but it was um, this young naturalist guide to uh, butterflies. And what's, oh. what's kind of neat about it at the time, now they would never do this now, but I had this paper made sort of butterfly inside yeah. that you could collect and hang. Uh -huh. just, you know, all just paper. Right. And then it came with a little book and 
you know, there are simple pops inside and lots of pull tabs, you know, doing, you know, oh, it's flapping yeah. wings, you know, simple stuff so that you could learn. And this was like when I was back in my watercolor period, you know, when I was illustrating and, um, uh, and I was just like learning. I, I didn't even really know how to illustrate at the time. I was figuring that out um, as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it was really, you know, very simple twister mechanism here. But um, so this was our first New York Times bestseller. Uh, and okay. uh, even if it was just for a couple of weeks, that's what I always say to someone, who, if you get on the New York Times bestseller list, you wear that for the rest of your life. You can yeah, say Yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's awesome. I want to ask about the, so the butterflies you would collect, would you have to buy multiple copies of the book then? Were there different butterflies? The, oh, the, this? The there was only one butterfly. Oh, okay. This, and there was also one that was a, uh, a beetle book and it had its own beetle. Okay. I, I didn't mean to say that there would be different ones, okay. but it's a good idea that should we should have done that because it would have sold multiple more because you need to have like all four. Yeah. Sure. Uh, oh well. Um for the future. For the future. Um yeah. Now I want to ask you about your illustrations because I know you you do everything for your books. You write much, the stories. Yeah. Most of the That's, time, yeah. Is that unusual? Is there usually an illustrator in, or not? Uh, I feel like most of the time in, in pop-up books, there are, there, there are like, there's the engineer, there's the, you know, the illustrator, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of different people, very few. Mm -hmm. I think David Carter does it, um, Robert okay. and I do it. Um, and I, okay. I know there are others, um, yeah. but I mean, those are the first three that, that sit in my yeah. mind. And I, what I like about doing that or being able to do that and what's helped me in, in the work that I do when I collaborate with other illustrators is I understand where the art's gonna go, what you need to do, you know, how much of the art you're gonna need to make for me to then, for a paper engineer to then be able to put it on the pieces. And right. I'm also very much uh, uh, of the uh, mindset that the illustrator comes after the paper engineer. And yeah. um, be, because now that, that's not always the way it works. Sometimes the, you know, an artist will draw something and they'll say, can you make that pop? Mm. It's possible, but it's easier when you're working with an artist to say, you need to draw this in this shape, this in this shape. We're, I think of the paper engineer in a, in a book, uh, they're like the director and they're, they're, they're um, staging the action in the move in, in a play, right? We're putting all the pieces in the right, you know, places and then we have the set designer come in and you know paint things and whatever but we well we need we need to at least we need to at least build the structure and then like come in and color everything i guess it's the we would be the set designer before the painter comes along right yeah um, that makes sense mm -hmm. I, I and i also liken it to like the paper engineer uh it's like we're like a big we we're making the cake right we make the cake we're not making the frosting right? Just mm -hmm. the cake. So you have to build that and then you can put the frosting on top. Cake. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and trust me, I love the frosting. I love the frosting. It's extremely important to me with the cake. So, you know, I'm not putting one on the other. In fact, I would probably just eat the frosting most of the time. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm a, yeah. So um, <clears throat> it does help being an illustrator uh, a lot just to be able to communicate, you know, you know to, to, you know, an illustrator when you're working with them to say, okay, we need to draw the animal this way. You need to draw, like for right, for example, right now I'm working on a Jurassic World book. Okay. And there are a lot of dinosaurs in them. Now I've done those kind of books, but the style of art for work for this is not something that I like to, to usually do. And it's much more photorealistic. 
And so, um, and some of it's sort of photo collage and painted. So there's like, you know, it's, it's really beautiful, but it would take me forever to do. And these are professionals and really beautiful illustrators. So I will make up, you know, sort of art guides about everything that you have to do, but, and I understand what, what's supposed to be shaped like, you right. know, when a leg needs to be detached from a body because I'm going to glue that on separately and right. there, there needs to be the underneath that body, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so, or we're, we're doing an animal head and there needs to be the sides. Now we need to see it from the sides and we need to see it from the top. And so I, I, I sort of map everything out for them and, 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 you know, explain things is, and, and I think I, I try to do it in a way that's easiest for an illustrator to understand because it can be scary when you look at a pop-up when it's finished and say, how the hell am I supposed to draw on that? How? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. I have a question about the Jurassic world. So does it, mm -hmm. the style go with the movie? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're why... all, it's not a movie storybook per se. It's kind of uh -huh. like moments. Right. Within it. So I'm right. not retelling. Oh, I'm, there are retelling of story, but um, it's, it's not like a story book. It's like, these are these moments. Let's travel to this place. And this is, you know, those big, moments that happen and there's a lot of surprise. but I guess I meant I guess I meant why someone else is illustrating it oh yeah is that why because um, they kind of want it to look similar they or? want it to look cinematic yeah. they want it to look cinematic. that way I've done mm -hmm. plenty of dinosaur books already I don't mm -hmm. want it to look like yeah. mine. um right and um yeah I definitely like to have like this is mine this is this is, this is also mine but it's different I like them to be sort of different um and that's the, that, you know, when you work with licensors, cause I work with a lot um, and I hate to call them that. And I, I like, well, they'll call them intellectual properties. I work with a lot of intellectual properties. They aren't, to me, they are, their worlds and their stories and their characters that we love, you know, whether it's the Harry Potter universe, whether it's Star Wars, which is one of my favorites, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, Disney care. I don't like to call them IP intellectual properties and to call the people who create them like licensors it sounds very technical and not right. very they're, they they're they're stories they're characters mm -hmm. we love they they mean something so um when i use it it's just to be descriptive but um so but when i'm working with licensors or with the you know whatever who own certain intellectual properties you have to go with what they their vision is you know so right. you have to be flexible that way you can't say no i don't want that i want this you know and and as a commercial artist is, which is what I am, um, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the, the, you know, that's part of it. That's part of, you know, what makes us what we are. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your sort of income streams. Okay. If, if, uh, sure. If we can call it that, because okay. you're talking about licensing and, mm -hmm. um, I imagine you get advances and royalties mm -hmm. and so, just... so here's what I, this is the typical way that I work. Um, mm -hmm. Now you don't, this doesn't have to be like that, like it, it, but I work like this. I have an agent mm -hmm. who uh, is amazing. Um, and she will uh, negotiate for, you know, an advance or mm -hmm. royalty. I always make sure that I get royalty on, on sales. I think it's sales after a certain amount like the, after you've earned back the right advance, the advance, then you start to get royalties on that because that's a nice surprise thing you can get every mm -hmm. year. Some mm -hmm. years you may get less, some years you get, may mm -hmm. get more. Mm -hmm. Some, some may disappear completely because the book's out of print or whatever. Um, 
but it's a nice thing to add in to, you know, it's, it's a nice thing to add in to whatever else you've got going on. Um, right. And so, you know, I always have, I, I usually, I am always thinking about next year or the year after, uh-huh. um, as far as what, what am I going to be doing? Uh, and, um, so, so how many like, projects are you working on? Currently I'm working yeah. on, um, let's see, that's scary. One, <laughs> two, um, one, two, three, four, five, uh, five projects right now that are in different stages. Yeah. Um, I'm always like praying that one like editor doesn't call me or text me or email me, you know, saying, oh, please don't put me at this now. I just need a couple more weeks to work on this other thing. Uh-huh. Um, see, cause I have like, okay, so uh, I'm doing this new partnership with um, Abrams um, books, which uh, great publisher, beautiful books. It's just amazing. It's such an honor to work with them doing a new line of books that are called pop magic. And they are, Board books. I've been wanting to do board books for 20 years. Oh. Really do board books. Now they're simple. They're very, very simple um, pops. And I'm working with other illustrators. Uh, my new one, I, I'm not trying to plug, but my new one is no. Colors. Uh-huh. And look, it's very, very, it's like very, very simple where you like pull the tab and little ducks come up. Oh, you know, yeah. I want them to be fun and interactive, but tough and, um, you know, enjoyable and sweet and cute. So, you know, this kind of stuff I've been wanting to do forever. And so I'm doing this line with them. And so, so this is for really little kids. Really little. And because you want them to be tough so that they so don't they, fall they're gonna apart. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're gonna yeah. Like everybody, right. if, I, if I, everybody tells me, oh, I'd love to give this to, or I have this, I bought your book for my daughter, but she's this, you know, she's two right now and she will annihilate it. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I, you know, I've been wanting to do this forever. Cool. So this is great. So that yeah. I'm working on one of those right now. Mm-hmm. And um, actually when I get off, when I get off with you, I got to finish the dummies to send off for production. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, there's the Jurassic world. And then um, I'm working on some other new projects with inside editions, which is my other publisher who are great. They do beautiful books. They do a lot of um, books, that are related to big properties like, you know, Star Wars and Disney and Jurassic Park and, you know, all those sort of things. So they allow, and Harry Potter, like they get me, let me play in those universes. So that's, mm-hmm. and they love those big, you know, sort of books, those big collector books. They're exhausting to create, but they're yeah. so fun to yeah. be able to, you know, do because they always, they're, 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 um, they're like a spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that, and then, gosh, there's a couple other things that are going on. I mean, I just, we're doing, there's always something happening. Oh, I'm doing a Marvel superhero book as well. Um, and it's classic comic Marvel superheroes. It's so cool. I cannot oh. wait for it to come out. It's very much along the lines of the DC comic superhero book that I did like about 10 years ago. And okay. um, so it's been great because I get to read more comics and I get to like, you know, I, I didn't know Marvel characters as well as I know DC ones. So it was great because I get to play in the new universe. And um, I love classic comic, you know, that, I love that style. Hey listeners, let's take a little break here. And I want to tell you about the Paper Advisor, a place where you can discover my most popular paper making and paper craft resources, including information about tools and supplies, how-to videos, 
and paper tips, all in one place. You can ask the paper advisor your paper questions there, too. And best of all, it's free. Find the paper advisor by going to HelenHebertStudio.com and looking for the free paper advisor link in the upper right-hand corner. Now back to the episode. So it sounds like there's a combination of your ideas coming to reality and then your agent kind of maybe making suggestions or. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Like Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different things. Like um, Mm -hmm. for example, the, the, uh, the line of pop magic with Abrams. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to do that for a while. And I, uh, you know, I talked to some people there and they're like, you know, we'd love to do something like that. You want to make a deck and maybe show us some ideas that you want to do. And so I created like a line and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of it was, I don't think this is going to, I don't think they're going to like this, but at least I give them a whole line of what we could make. Mm-hmm. And you no, know, I didn't necessarily make prototypes of everything, but I, you know, illustrated things to make it look like, Oh, this could look like this and it could be like this. And, you know, and made some things like one of the books. Um, and there's actually two that I've been working on. Um, is one, one was called what's up fire truck. And the second one is called what's up construction truck. And the book actually turns into a fire truck. So you can, you know, uh-huh. it, un, uh, it unfolds and reattaches it and becomes a playable box, like fire truck. Right. And right. the construction truck turns into a bulldozer, you know, and you can still look at it like a book, but then it kind of, you know, it's kind of accordion folded. You re, um, oh slot mm-hmm. things and it becomes like a box but the way that the pages are illustrated it looks like one side of the truck the front of the truck the back of yeah. the truck and it has working elements like the the ladder that actually works uh-huh. so the pages become surfaces on the truck that you can play with so there's characters on it and it's cool so you know stuff like that i like playable this all goes back to when i was young but like you make it playable yeah. you make it something right and, and so the construction truck one is also i love that one it is so cool um, right and listeners will put links to yeah yeah things in the, the fire truck notes. book came out this last fall and i think construction mm-hmm. truck comes out this coming fall and mm-hmm. colors comes out so these are really fun you know like but I, when i did it i came up with like this whole you know a whole bunch of ideas because sometimes you got to throw, you got to throw a lot at the, the wall to see what sticks. Right. 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 And you just never know. And I always feel like you give, when you're pitching something to a publisher and taking their time, throw a lot of things out there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just bank on one thing. Cause you never know if they're going to go, Oh, you know that other, I don't like the main thing. You know, it's always like the one that you wanted to do the most, you know, it's like, Oh, this is my passion project. But then they go, you know, that other thing, that's kind of interesting. You yeah. Know, and what, part, what if you... part of it is the relationship you're building, right? Mm-hmm. With the people like, you know, they probably want to work with you based on your history and maybe you've known them or your agent's relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I, I agree with that tactic. It's like, and, well, well, I, I tell it to sure anybody. How. Yeah. 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 I tell it to all the young people, you know, it's like, just, Think about the, you know, what else you could do or what other mm-hmm, format it could be. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you present it, I was just telling this to someone recently, like it, if you present that thing and you say, I want to do this one project, it looks like a book, it's six spreads, it's got this many pop-ups. Think about it in another way. Could that yeah. be a series of folios? Could that be mm-hmm. cards? Could that be, mm-hmm. think about it, you know, in another way, just in case. 
Right. Because these books are expensive to make and they yeah. are a lot of, they're scary right. for somebody, for a publisher that's not necessarily, you know, building them. So um, it, it's important to be flexible with your concept and, you know, give them a range, give them a range of ideas, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, because they're going to stop if you stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. And no doesn't always mean no. Maybe it just means find mm-hmm. another way. Yeah. 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 Um, so on that note, I'm curious about, so this, these construction and fire truck books sound like a really unique engineering. Are there other um, design elements, pop-up elements that you have created? Oh, well, invented I mean, or do you feel I invent, do like I feel is, like I feel like everything is everyone's I mean I, yeah I, like yeah. yeah I've invented maybe I've invented a couple like I there is there are a couple um there are a couple uh you know paper engineering things that I I always feel like that I did that uh-huh. I did that uh-huh. first um I like I I'm we should call that the Reinhardt that's the Reinhardt <laughs> but then I I never have liked my last name so I like oh don't call it the Reinhardt don't call it the Reinhardt um <laughs> But you know what? We're all building off of what someone else mm-hmm. has taught us. So for me to say that's something I did, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know enough. I'll be honest. Like, I don't really collect pop-up books. I don't. I, um, I, I collect books that I like, that, mm-hmm. like the, I like the engineering. It's clever. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm not a collector because I collect enough stuff. I don't need right. more stuff. And um like if it's an engineer that I like and that I'm intrigued by the work that they're doing, yeah, I'm gonna take it apart because I'm curious. What did they? What inspired? What is going on there? Like, um, so I do, but but I don't collect it. So I, so I, and I don't. I'm not a big pop up historian. Like I don't. In fact, I'm not. Um, not someone like you know Ellen Rubin who knows everything right. or you know people in movable book society. They know much more than me. I just make stuff, right. Um, so I couldn't say that I invented something, but so one of the things that I did early, uh, well, I feel like I did, you know, maybe, uh, recently that is something like the books that become like a map or become, you know, the book turns into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, those were things that I think that I, uh, really helped, you know, get out there. Um, there are certain mechanisms I'm sure I, I don't know. I don't know, but, but, you know, like I said, it's all built off of somebody else's. So someone right. could come in and say, I use that first. I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to be that, uh, that self important to think that, you know, I, I did it, but, but I did. No, okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, tell me how the, the books that become something else, how did that come about? You know, I don't know. No, okay. I, the, the reason what here's where, where the first time I thought about it mm-hmm. uh, or thought of the idea where I was on a pitch, it was on a call with my publisher um, inside editions. And they called me and said, we really want you to do a game of Thrones book. And it was at a time of my career when I was not, I w- it was tough. It was mm-hmm. post like 2000, I think it was like 2013 or something. It was post, the uh, financial crash. Right. I didn't feel that until like two or three years later because yeah. I had projects already set and then that came and I wasn't getting projects. Nobody wanted to do these books anymore. And I wasn't like, I was trying to learn how to um, adapt. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was interesting because I, I actually did an interview around that time when 
uh, with, with, I don't remember who it was, but it was, it was one of the NPR, you know, affiliate sort of uh, podcasts. And I gave a really grim um, sort of forecast of like, I don't even know if I'm going to be doing this in uh, you know, however many years. Uh, and um, so this book came along for the Game of Thrones and I was talking to them about it and they go, listen, we, we just want to, we, we can't show the likenesses of any characters. And I thought, what's the point? I mean, <laughs> what? And yeah. like, well, no, we just want to show like the buildings and sort of like, you know, detail the world or whatever, you know, like look at the buildings at the beginning. Have you ever seen the Game of Thrones like introduction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that map that yes, sort of all pops right. up. That's what right. inspired them to do this. And I was like, that's so awesome. That whole map is so cool. And they're like, yeah, we want the buildings on each of the different castles and all that. So that would be cool. But I said, what? but, but they're not connected. Like it's not like that map where you can look at it and it's all there. And, you know, my, my, my husband always says to me, I remember that day when you were talking on the phone and talking about, I said, wouldn't it be cool? And I guess what, what I said was, wouldn't it be cool? Okay, we have these castles on each page. Wouldn't it be cool if you could somehow, somehow all the pages were accordion attached. You could somehow unfold the entire book and it became a map. And then, and then you could fold it back and it would be a book. I mean, I, that's how it literally it came yeah. to me. Uh -huh. because, you, because I know how the books, I know how books are assembled, right? Like, you know, right. a lot of them are accordion folded. Well, yeah. they would be all laid out like this, but there's got to be another way to do it another way. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it came from. And, um, you know, they really loved that. It was a different format. It's like right. taking a book into another, what else is it? It's a right. book and it's a something else. And so a lot of my books I've done with them, it's one thing and it's another thing too. Like the latest Harry Potter book I did, which was Diagon Alley and beyond, it becomes like sort of a displayable, you know, uh, space that you can put on a shelf and you can have your action figures or whatever. Like it's, you know, becomes, you can take, you can make that world and, and, and display it and also enjoy it like a book and explore and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of cool. I like, I yeah. like that because I like transformers. I collect transformers. I like the idea of a book transforming into something else and making it right. be more than just a book. Books are hugely important and, and I love them and great places to explore, but how can we take it to another level? And that's where that came from. Right. And I'm just going back to your childhood. How old were you when you discovered Transformers? Well, I was probably too old. Okay. <laughs> Transformers so came old. out in 1984. Um, okay. I was probably seeing Transforming Robots earlier in the 80s. But um, so I was probably, let's see, 1984. So I was probably 13 when it came out. And I was one of those kids that like, I collected toys way too long. Like I was <laughs> always hiding my collection. Right. 13. I was hiding my collection um, but I just love them so much. I love the toys. And I, you know, love the cartoon and everything. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm still very much in that, you know, I love cartoons. I love animation, all that sort of stuff. I love that world building and, um, uh, the toys are just so, uh, they're, they're really cool, unbelievably engineered, you know, that this is this little metal and plastic thing is going to turn into this other thing. Right. Um, the ones that they're making now, I mean, I still collect now. I have thousands, I have thousands. Yeah, um, yeah. The ones that they make now are like unbelievable engineering. And when you yeah. see it, it, I just, I'm always amazed, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 how far they've come. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I guess I, I love that manipulation of something can turn. And, and that's what basically what we do is we're taking right. like paper, which yeah. is such a mundane material uh -huh. and turning it into 
anything else, some magical. Yeah. I know that right. sounds queer, but like something different that you didn't expect that that could be. Yeah. And the, just the transformation from flat, completely flat into three dimensions is amazing. Mm -hmm. So there, we're going to go there and um, we're going to wrap this up shortly, but mm -hmm. I want to hear about a little more about your cut paper collage. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And what collage. paper do you use? Yeah. So I just use a vellum. Um, I can't remember the exact brand. It's like uh -huh. a thin marker vellum that okay. we paint acrylics onto and just make like tons of different, um, uh, different textures. And then sometimes I haven't been able to do it as much recently because I have a huge library of it. And lately mm -hmm. I haven't been doing as much of that sort of paper engine or that sort of paper illustration. Um, but uh, yeah, so you just get messy for a few weeks and mm -hmm. you just, it's very much inspired by, you know, David Carter or no, excuse me. Um, no, 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 not David Carter. It's very much inspired by um, Eric Carl. Oh, uh, yeah. his style where he would just paint. I mean, his papers are beautiful, yeah. but you, you, so I, and, and when I say we, you know, at the time yeah, when I, I had a bigger hear. studio, I also had other artists and other artists with me. And I used to, when I was doing my work in engineering, I would say, listen, I need a bunch of papers, make me a bunch of paper. Here's what I want. I want it to look like elephant skin, but it's purple and orange. And I want, you know, like, so we would, we would just make tons, mm -hmm. tons of paper. Mm -hmm. A lot of it didn't get used. Mm -hmm. Some of it, you can tell I loved certain papers because you know, it's going. <laughs> right. Um, so that's kind of how it's worked. And then I would cut it up. Um, what I do is I'll draw a picture and use that as my template. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll do a rough sketch. And, um, you know, depending on how graphic style it is, you know, sometimes it's much more realistic than others. Um, and then um, I'll cut out, you know, certain sections to whether there's shadow or whether there's, you know, different, you know, arms or legs, different colors on the body or whatever the scene is. Um, and then glue it into place. But there's always like an initial sketch and that's used as like sort of my map. Mm -hmm. And then I glue everything usually in place. I usually do it by hand. Now I can do it a lot. I can do it also digitally. I've been doing some of the stuff that I, you know, some of the Disney projects I have done that have used uh, copy paper collage has, has been more digital, which is fine too. And certainly more manipulate, you know, you can manipulate things a little bit better, but I enjoy actually cutting things up. I like the mess. Mm -hmm. I like the, um, the, play. Like the mistakes. The play. Yeah. 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 I like, I like the error of, you mm -hmm. know, cutting something out, you know, and I, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting because I work with some illustrators now um, uh, that they actually use actually hand cut templates, scan them and use them as masks so that they have that real, that real, um, you know, those, those edges that aren't always perfect. And right there's something really nice about that. So uh, I may go into more of that in the future um, with some of my work. I'm getting ready to illustrate my own, uh, one of my own um, in the uh, Pop Magic series. And I may also continue doing a series in the future that is nonfiction, that is very much in the style of like my Encyclopedia Prehistorica books, like the Dinosaurs and Encyclopedia Mythologica series books, where I did all the art and it, it will be nonfiction you know, they're, they're, that's like one of my passions Yeah, is recreating things, you know, and making it fun and learnable and, you know, explorable. So uh, as much as I love, you know, playing in fictitious worlds, I, I really love learning. I love and, and like, you know, recreating it in some way that's exciting for young people. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the story 
the storytelling or the actual the words on the page how does that get digested down or well, well it well it depends or, yeah yeah it depends how much space do i have you know like right. um typically what i'll do now with some of the licensed property um like some of the you know those i will work with an editor and mm -hmm. we'll figure out how much space or what we can say or whatever mm -hmm. my pops don't leave a lot of room but typically I'll, I'll make it an, an outline of sort of what is going to happen. In, in my nonfiction books, I always rewrote the outline first and the, then the, the manuscript first. So there would be blurbs of information and a description of what we might see in each little pop or in each little area. Right. Um, I, I always try to make an outline first before I start engineering, an outline of what I think I, to compose what needs to be seen on each page so mm -hmm. that we can all talk about it. I, I rarely draw it, although for some of my for some of the works that I've done recently, I do like a little sketch of what it might look like. But I feel like it it constrains me mm -hmm. um, into thinking mm -hmm. about how I might um, come, you know, how I might compose something. Right. Um, it, you know, it does one of two things. When you draw the, a sketch of what is going to happen on that page, you you draw a sketch. It's going to either limit you or it's going to you're never going to be able to make what you draw, right? <laughs> you know? Um, but anyways, getting back to the writing. So, so um, usually I write more text and it all gets edited down. It's always like, Oh, I had two paragraphs, but it, gets, it got down to, you know, half of one. Right. Okay, cool. And then um, let's talk about some of your recommendations. My recommendations. Yes. So your paper that you yeah. engineer with. Yeah, so I always use typically the ones that I use um, with the for is an eighty pound cardstock, and mm -hmm. which I think is I can't remember the GSM for it, but um, it's okay. One eighteen is one eighteen or something like that. That's what I use mm -hmm. typically. Although when I'm using for heavier, there is a heavier stock that I use. It's a hundred pound stock um, that I use just like when I'm doing like these board books. It's just a little heavier because those right. aren't going to move as much. Right. But it's really important, I think, to like be consistent with a type of paper that you use. Uh, because there were times in the past where we have, where my helpers may have bought paper that was a different mm. consistency. You design something and then you rebuild that, that dummy and it doesn't work right. And if it, uh -huh. you know, I always try to work with something that's close to what the manufacturer is gonna use. Right. Um, because otherwise, what's the point? They're gonna find all these flaws. I, I remember working on the second Star Wars book I worked on and there was one pop-up that just kept screwing up and it was because we had the wrong paper. And it was like, well, yeah. I just designed this. Why is it doing this? Right. And so that was, that was, uh, you know, a big issue. So I think that that's really important. Um, you, I go online, I order mine like in bulk, obviously. Yeah. A place called paper, uh, paperpapers.com. Um, but there are all kinds of other places. I mean, you can go on Amazon, you can go on, you know, uh, you can go to Staples, you can go to, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, what, uh, Michael's, I could love going to Michael's. Um, because they have all those beautiful packs of different colored cards. Yeah, stuff. right. I, and do I you, what size, do you just use eight and a half by 11? Well, now, for your models, um, or do you yeah, for, well, it, I, I get this 12 uh, by 18 size, okay. because okay. then I can print out a lot of things. Like I can print right. the whole base page, because, uh -huh. you know, if I'm working like on a big, you know, sort of book, um, I use that or, you know, eight and a half by 11. Yeah, it just right. it, it depends on what you're building and what you're playing around with. Yeah. And just briefly, your process of design. Do you start with paper? Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. You always start yeah. with paper first. Yeah. There's never, it's always, and it's always a, a concept, mm -hmm. you know, sentences, 
not a drawing typically. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do that. Um, I may have an idea of what I want to do first. I always try to think about what's the, what's the base because oftentimes I'm building something and then there are other <laughs> mechanisms built off of that. Right. So when I'm building that, I you know, think about what's the base and then build those little, whatever extra moments that you want on there. And, um, and you kind of like build outwards from that main thing. And one of the things I always tell people when they're engineering something, especially when they're engineering something that's new that they haven't ever done before, or that is something that is sort of interesting and different, build in with a mechanism, build in guarantees that that mechanism is going to work. What I mean by that is, okay, so you may build something and it's really cool and it does some extra movement that you've never seen before. And it pushes it out and it works really well when you build it, but as you build prototypes of it later on, it may not work as well. It may not push something out as well. And you need to build another structure that helps push that thing mm. out in uh -huh. some other way that uh -huh. isn't reliant on the one structure that's helping it. There needs to be something else that's reliable. Um, and I, that's especially true when you're building something that's like big, that's coming up and is standing up. Like it's really important. I, I always call them guarantees. Uh -huh. You need something else that's a guarantee to make that do what it is. Because if you just have one little thing sort of pushing something, it's not going to work. You know, it's going to sort of work maybe, but you right. need to build in something else to really make sure it's always going to go that direction. It's always going to do that. Yeah, um, so solid engineering. And I've, I've watched some of your videos and you, I think you, you rely basically on the V fold and layers as two yeah. main elements. That's, yeah. You're going to, yeah. you are going to yeah. use that in everything. Yeah. yeah. So anybody who doesn't understand what a V fold is, well, how it works, you need to really study it. Um, yeah. Play with what they do. I am learning mm -hmm. about V folds all the time. I don't mm -hmm. know everything. I'm experimenting and learning what you can do with that, right. but they are essential for any sort mm -hmm. of movement. Um, and you, you need to, you know, those measurements, like, I don't think about those measurements and all the, like, I, I, you know, am I using this ruler all the time? Um, I don't want to, but I am, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I'm not thinking about like, you know, these dense mathematical sort of things, but I know that if this pulls this way, this much, it needs to come from this way, this much, you know, I know, those sort of things, why this doesn't, and why if you do something messy and you're not, and, and it's, you know, it's, you know, one, it's instead of being a, you know, a right angle, it's sort of off. Well, that's why that doesn't work. Right. And that's right. why that tears there. So, you know, it's important that when you're building a structure, even if it's a prototype that you're as accurate as you can be with those sort of things. Um, and I've learned that over years of yeah. messy prototypes, right? Years and years of it. If, and if your prototype starts looking really messy, Rebuild it, rebuild it, build it cleaner so that you can keep messing with it. Because if you work from something that's been worked over and, you know, after a while, it's just not going to work anymore. And right. it's just going to frustrate you. And it looks terrible, you know, yeah. and you're not going to, you're not going to be able to see what you're creating. So it's I'm, like, uh, it's maybe that's why it's called paper engineering. It's yeah. like building a building if you don't use the right yeah. If it's yeah, not standing up straight, it might fall down. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you have to, you have to get rid of that foundation and rebuild it and bake it right. 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 So, so like sometimes when I'm making a, like an initial dummy or additional, I have may have gotten rid of that base page and maybe some of the main pieces and rebuilt them by hand several times over yeah, right. before I get to that final one that like really is nice and recycle it and re, you know, so um, that's how I, I, 
work. And so let's um, talk about your two next recommendations, which you're using in that building those oh, yeah. prototypes, which are really sharp scissors and yeah, good exacto, and then the knitting, the knitting, N- knitting needle. Sure. Right. So, okay. So uh, I think scissors are, you know, obviously so important. Get a yeah. couple of different sizes. I have mm-hmm. like big ones that are nice and usually like they're Fiskars or something like yeah. that. This is Westcott but ones that really feel good in your hands. Yeah. Um, Cause I see some people use them and they're like these small scissors. And it's like, they look like I have some that look <laughs> like, I love how these look uh-huh. gold and whatever. They do not feel good. Right. And then when you, and when you, you know, go too far, they go beyond each other. You know, yeah. Yeah. those are, those are for show. Right. <laughs> but the ones that really feel good. Um, I also think it's really important for you to have like a big pair and a small pair. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I consistently get these little ones. They're Fiskars all the time. I like that they have a point. Yeah, I love those. Um, mm-hmm. They're super, um, and I always have to label on their mine. I don't want anyone to steal my scissors. <laughs> mine, you can never take my scissors, especially these, because these are the ones that I do like the surgery with. When you're inside a mechanism and you're like, oh my God, I got this little piece, like you need this. Right. Um, so those scissors, exacto knife. You just need something that you feel comfortable with. You need blades, and you need to. And now blades are expensive. Mm-hmm. Some people, uh, I change mine out all the time when they mm-hmm. start to feel. And that, like, I don't change them every few days. No, I might change them if I'm cutting a lot of stuff. I might change them every couple hours. Right. Um, yeah. Because if you're like cutting out pieces for a book or something like that, um, you. That, that blade will deteriorate. Yeah, it starts to catch or the tip yeah. breaks. And, yeah. um, you, and it's, you it's did mention match. sharpeners. I yeah. don't know if you have a sharpener to recommend, but somebody no, turned me on just a whetstone. Oh, just really? like they use in uh, woodworking for sharpening. Oh, good. Uh, that, that would be great. Chisels. That, it works yeah. really well. Yeah. See, I, I, I should be better about that. Um, but, that but yeah, I use lots of blades. Uh, and then I said a knitting needle. Now I get, this is a knitting needle that is not curved. It's a uh-huh. simple one and it should have right. a somewhat, you know, it's not super pointy, but I use this to score with, right. and you know, you use it with a ruler and right, you know, you right. score down for, yep. for all those fold lines. Mm-hmm. This really helps a lot. Um, yeah. and what about it, tape or glue? Okay, so tape. I, I use, use two tape. different types. Uh-huh. Um, I do not use scotch tape. I do not use any, except when I'm doing crafts. Like, so I, I have a whole YouTube channel yes. and I do like- Yeah, we're gonna link to that. Yeah. Oh, cool, thanks. A master like, class. I have a mas- pop-up master class. Um, and I have an art class that I just make like paper stuff for kids. And then mm-hmm. I also have, I have some, we did these videos that are, um, they're actual like pop-up uh, lessons. Mm-hmm. that you can print out and you can copy them and you can take them and use them however you want. You can, you know, they're PDFs. You can, and I just show how to yeah. build them. Right. And then um, the other thing that I do, they're like DIY, like, you know, crafts. So like if right. you want to make a pop-up, like right now we're doing a pop-up giant map of the world. Oh, cool. And, uh-huh. you know, you're, we're doing little pop windows and you can make, there's a pop inside and then you can glue the whole thing together. So when I started doing those, um, See, uh, you know, I always tell people uh, you can, you know, use, if you don't have like this knitting needle, you can use a big paper clip to press and fold. Um, And then um, let's see, scissors, oh, glue. Oh, the tape, I was talking about tape. Yeah. Now in those, I'm sorry, I get off on tangents, this is me. 
Um, when I use, when I use in the videos, I sometimes use like regular plastic tape or whatever with the scotch tape, mm -hmm. just because that's what everyone has. Right. But yeah. when I'm talking to engineers, paper engineers, don't use, don't use plastic tape because that tape won't hold after quite a few folds. It's going to, yeah. Crack. Right. And, um, it doesn't, it never seems to hold it. So I always use uh, a white artist tape mm -hmm. um, or you can use, if you really you want, want to save money, uh, masking tape mm -hmm. works mm -hmm. great. Right. Um, I don't, I try not to get the white artist tape that is that re like there's some that's reusable and you can like pull it up and but that never works for long-term. So just like a regular white artist tape for me. And I use a couple of different widths so I don't waste tape. Mm -hmm. um, I use a lot of double stick, like mm -hmm. a lot of, or double-sided tape. Right. Um, you can also use, I recently got these, um, they turned me on to these little, they're like these double stick little roller things that you can use okay. like in sections. Um, oh, here it is. Cool. Which is a crafter's tape. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Um, uh -huh. It's ad tech crafter's tape. It kind of the dispenses, you know, it dispenses that stick on there, which is cool. The glue that I use, it's just regular, I think it's, um, oh, what's that craft brand? It's like, not Pamex, oh, what was it called? But it's just a regular artist craft white glue, white glue that okay. you can use. Um, um, and I put them in these like squirt bottles so that I can get a smaller sort right. of dot of something if I need it, or I can control it. Um, now this is a nitty nitty gritty question, but mm -hmm. like when would you use tape versus glue? Like tape, you could reposition. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Yeah. Um, if I don't have, well, obviously, I don't. I use tape when it's a prototype. Yeah. And it's something I'm just like learning. I'm figuring something out. It's a prototype. It's just in studio. It's not going anywhere. It's not finalized. It's not going to it's not going to production or manufacturing anyway. Right. And it does like, that's like, oh, I'm coming up with an idea and I'm cutting and folding paper and figuring out how it all goes together. You know, that's when I use tape. If it's something that's going to somebody, I use glue, more, but I still use glue when I'm making prototypes. Okay. Like if I have to attach a huge section onto something or double it up or, you know, so. Um, so but the tape- It's a little more permanent. Yeah. The glue. The yeah. Glue is more permanent, yeah. And that is for when you're like making something that's final. Right. But those are like the main tools. I mean, obviously I use a computer. I use Illustrator, Photoshop. Um, I have a Cintiq, which is a, um, you know, it's sort of a monitor that you can draw on. Uh -huh. And because I don't like using a, uh, some people use a, um, like a, a pad or whatever they use a, and, and, and I am a drawer. And so I'm used to the ink coming out of the tool I'm holding right uh, here. Right. Right. So yeah. that's why I like drawing on the Cintiq because I feel like I'm drawing. Right. And um, so I use that. I use that to make my dye lines. I use, you know, it's, it, it, but I can do it with a mouse or whatever. I can do that stuff, but I prefer using a Cintiq. Okay. Um, and what about cutting machines? Do you have a cutting? I machine? have a GraphTech. Uh, what okay. is it? A GraphTech. It's older. Um, I think it's a GraphTech C. Eight six thousand or something. Eight thousand. Mm -hmm. I can't see the number. Five thousand. I don't know. Sure. Let me see it for a second. Let me see. <laughs> C C E eight six thousand forty plus. So C E six thousand 
40 plus graph okay. tags. Mm -hmm. um, but there are other ones that people use. I know that some people use like, like those crickets, and right. all kinds yeah. of stuff. whatever you can afford. That's yeah. just one I I've had for a while. It is an honorary machine. Don't let mm. me say that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah. I don't use it as much for cutting out printed stuff. I just use it mainly just for white prototypes that okay. I have to build or things for manufacturing. Uh, -huh. uh, uh but I should use it more for printed out stuff. I just, I'm too lazy right now to really, but I've been using those for, for quite a while. And I've gotten much more proficient during COVID because I can't have an assistant here in my studio to help me with that. Right. So um, I have to do it all myself. So I'm getting much more proficient and I need to, you know, use that more often because when you're making an entire dummy and you have to cut it by hand, it's a hassle. Yeah, um, right. right. Especially when, you know, there's other things. You have to assemble it too. So that's a whole nother thing. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a real treat having you on and we could talk pleasure. again. Maybe we'll have another <laughs> interview in a while. Yeah, about the nuts anytime. and bolts about yeah. I mean, getting something it. manufactured. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that again. You know, if you ever want yeah. to, yeah, it's the offer here. We'll go from the beginning of the project to the end of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can even, we can even show, you know, oh, this is how we do dye lines. This is all that stuff. I'm happy to show. That'd be um, awesome. Because yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, that's what I like to do with YouTube and everything. Like, I think it's yeah. important we share. Because right. I feel like students, to me, people we are teaching, they're the ones that end up inspiring you even more. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I can share something that gets them started, maybe they're going to do something that will get me started. I know that there's a couple of engineers that, I, that I'm friends with that the stuff that they've done recently um, is just unbelievable and clever and strange and, and like I love all that you know like that's going in different places and that that inspires me um oh, to do yeah. those kind of things yeah yeah and do you have like assistants that have gone on to oh yeah like um yeah. um yeah like uh Sam Ida um uh -huh. is one of yeah. them um yeah. there's uh uh, uh Simon Arise oh yeah uh, there mm -hmm. uh let's see who else um Oh, well, Kyle, Kyle Ullman, of course. Right, and right. Um, so, I mean, we, there's, there's a lot of people, I'm sure I'm leaving people out, oh, that's but, okay. um, but, but, oh yeah. And um, Becca, Becca Zirkin actually as well. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so we, you know, they, I, I learned from them along the way and um, mm -hmm. it's great. It's great. I mean, right now, pretty soon I will be looking for somebody who is more full-time. I need an engineer to, mm -hmm. to work with mm -hmm. here in the studio. And once I think everyone gets vaccinated, I think we'll, I'll be able to do that. Right. But I, you know, I got to be careful. I mean, I have a, yeah. I have a couple of helpers here and there. I have one person that's sort of remote, but she just helps me with doing some of the videos and things. So, um, you know, that's something I'll be looking out for. So if anyone's interested in the future, the next, you know, six months or so, all right, talk to me, talk to me. Um, of course, cool. and you, can, you know, people can always reach out to me via my website or the, um, the email address that is associated with that, which is it's M are popups plural at gmail.com so and your website yeah you can go to the website as well matthewreinhardt.com you can go there and if it says contact and it will it will send an email it's to that same email address um uh, so you know if there's something you have an idea for something or if you have a question about something i always try to answer people's questions if possible awesome. and um and uh you know them also i have a facebook uh, uh, pop-up books by Matthew Reinhardt. I also have Instagram, 
and the YouTube page. And I try to get a, like at least one video out every week, something okay. out every wow. week, yeah. a new project. And um, I love doing the videos, but they're exhausting because mm -hmm. you have to like, like I would do more masterclass videos. I love doing them, but they're hard because afterwards yeah. I'm just like drained because teaching somebody some something and like getting in there. And, and then you also have to be entertaining. You, know, you don't want to be boring. Um, so right. it's just, you know, it's a thing, but I, but I really enjoy it. I wish if I didn't have to do my day job, right. it would really be amazing to be able to do that all the time. But um, yeah, you know, well, it's wonderful that you offer all of that to the community. Well, I, well, I, I mean, how are we going to, that's how we're going to grow. I mean, yeah, the, exactly. the, the way the community used to be, I feel like when I was younger or even before me, everything was like, this, mm -hmm. don't look at my work. Don't look at my work. Mm -hmm. Now I want to share it. This is the yeah. only way yeah. that we get people excited about this. There aren't as many bookstores to be able to see this stuff. So right. you got to put it up on the internet. We got to show, mm -hmm. we got to share pe mm -hmm. with people, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the way it goes. Yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Matthew. My pleasure, my pleasure. Anytime. Hey, paper friends. Did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper, featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com slash blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here, and the best way to stay up to date is to join my newsletter list, to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat, which takes place right here at Helen Hebert Studio. You can sign up at HelenHebertStudio.com to receive my e-newsletter. This wraps up our episode, and if you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review over on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the podcast. Special thanks to Gary A. Hansen for the sound editing and Peter Thomas for the music. Visit HelenHebertStudio.com and click on Paper Talk, where you can find out more about them, subscribe to the series via iTunes, and listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. I'll talk to you soon. The reason, the